All right, let's hit that button. What's up? Welcome to the APD Baseball Podcast. I will be your host, T. Gridge. As always, Mr. Ryan Wheat, Mr. Price Adams will be joining me. Thank you for listening. This is podcast number two. Our first one had rave reviews, guys. So we're that's we're true. we're just awesome. a hair over eleven thousand listens. Oh, that's cool. Which is kind of crazy, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. you know that that many people are actually listening to our podcast. But the the thing that we want to make sure that we're doing is we want to make sure that if you listen to this podcast, we're giving you some value, right? So these are some guys that are entrenched in the baseball world. Certainly on the instruction side, I'm entrenched on kind of the the travel ball coaching side. We got a special guest today that we're going to unveil here shortly. And we're going to talk about professional baseball and kind of what it takes to get to that level. Um, so really excited about the show. What's up, guys? How are you, buddy? What's up? I'm oh, fantastic. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here. So being that it is early March, my team actually starts this weekend. So let's talk a little bit of travel ball, kind of early season do's and don'ts. I have some ages. I have some questions here. Um, the first one's about age. I have some questions that I'd like for you guys to maybe dive into and give us kind of your point of view on what you think is um, the appropriate answer for some of these. So, um, Ryan, let's start with you. What do you think the appropriate age to start travel ball is? I get this all the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's it, it basically kind of depends on your area, right? Like where if if you're in a small area – and you have a group that wants to play more, and you know that's going to you know, kind of be the all-star team. Like yep. I could see you going out at seven years old. I started my son at seven just because it was – Now seven, that's early, right? It's early, So yeah. we started at nine for us, which I felt like was okay. But now that's coach pitch, right? Yeah. So you're just yeah. kind of throwing to where they're swinging. Well, some people <laughs> did. I, I hit two kids that year. Oh, there you go. All so, right. but not not bragging about it. But it was like you know, I actually threw to them, and then I was throwing like four or five days a week. BP, my arm never hurt worse. Yeah, for sure. That was the eight year old year, but the seven year old year was COVID. So, and it's changed so much with rec ball as opposed to travel ball. What you can and can't do now, Price. How early did you start? Because you're way younger than us. Um, I think my first year of travel ball was. 13 or 12 oh, so or you started late so you did a rec you did rec ball up until yeah i played at linden so i know we talked about that before but i don't know that you can do that now to be quite honest with you um depending on what your goal is right right, right. so if your goal is to go play at a high school level that is a decent high school team when i say decent i'm talking your normal your, your males your easterns um obviously your San and trinities of the world you got to be able to play if you're walking into there. So let's say your goal is high school baseball. Can you get there by going the rec ball route these days? I, I mean, I think, I think it's very, very rare. I mean, I think you could, right? Like, have you seen it happen in Trinity? Um, in in the in the recent past, not to my yeah. See, they didn't start as early as seven, right? But you know, Orlando Cabrera for the Angels was found on a basketball court. Yeah, I, you know, like I mean, it's going to happen, right? right? It, it, and you're for some freak athlete. I yeah. get it. But for me, you kind of need to be in this. Uh, well, and we're talking Louisville, Kentucky here, this this Kentucky and a region. Lexington's quite different. So my brother-in-law coaches a team up there, and the rec ball's a lot better. There's a lot of teams, a lot of kids in the Lexington area. So to your point, it's kind of about where you're at, too. Yeah, I think it's totally based on the school system, to be honest with you. Like if everybody's getting out at a, a, a normal time, if everybody's, yep. you know, it's a community-based thing. Like rec league's a community-based thing. And what's your community? It's your neighborhood. It's your school. So, so it, busing kills rec ball in Louisville. In my opinion, yeah, that's that's my stance. Is that uh, you in your neighborhood? What do you have? Like, you know, there's a ton of kids, Tons. right? And they probably – how many go to the same school? Oh, it's all over the map. I mean, there's probably 40 different schools kids go to in my neighborhood. Right. So – and I think that's the biggest thing in our area, right? Like, and, and that's – that stinks because yeah. you get – like, literally 20 minutes, 15 minutes across the river, New Albany, thriving rec ball. They – St. Yeah. Matthews this year sold yeah. out. Yeah. But it's it, – but it, It's it, about your area. 
because they have so many private schools in that area. Mm-hmm. That's, that, mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. So, um, and I think that the other part is that my dad always used to tell me, you know, he, his big claim to fame is that he was in this book. This guy wrote this book about Little League Baseball, and he was in it. Okay. okay. So I was like, well, what did you guys do? You know, I was curious about it. Right. They practiced every single day, played 20 games, did the all-star run. You know, that was, the, that was how it was back then. Well, that was travel ball. That was travel ball, right? I played Cincinnati Knothole and played with the same kids all the way up. Mm-hmm. Practice four days a week. Mm-hmm. And it was, by the time our rec ball season had ended, we were gassed. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it was it was a lot. And Jim Barth, I hope to God, if this ever comes back, I love that man. He was my rec ball coach for five years. Right. From, basically from, I moved to Northern Kentucky when I was 10. And the draft, like, you didn't go back into the draft every year. Yeah. You stayed with your team, yeah. and if you're if you wanted to leave the team, you'd leave the team, right? You know, like That's then cool you would concept. go back into the draft. Yeah, like, I like that concept, and I think it's really cool, and I think you can, I think you can do some different things. Like, and the other thing is, like, I mean, Price, what, what was that for you? How long ago? No, ten, fifteen T- years. Okay, so so we'll call it twelve years ago, right? Is that it's changed so much the specialization. Not just in baseball, but other oh, sports. Everything. Yeah. Everything. You almost. So I have a professional golf background. I was a professional golfer. I played on the tours. Um, my my dad's a professional. My both my uncles are professional. In fact, one of my uncles in the PGA Hall of Fame. Talon, my son, has it in his blood. But if he wants to play baseball, it's hard to play both. Yeah. Because he he wants to go play baseball at either Santa Cruz Trinity. And to be able to do that, he almost has to specialize in it. In, in a now, you could play basketball. That's a different season, right? Yeah, basketball, football. Uh, I mean, you could play some of the different stuff. He does, but golf and baseball are tough to coincide and play together because they're basically the same season. So we've had a hard time trying to do both. And he can play, and he's a good golfer, but he's not to the level kind of the top top guys are because that's all they do. They right. Only play golf. That's all they do, and it's 365 days a year. When they can't play in Kentucky, they're going to Florida. It's hard to compete with that. It's yeah. the same in baseball. Yeah. You know, I've seen I've seen it on my team right now. We are starting this weekend. Talon's been going to you guys um, for the last couple months, and his swing looks awesome. He feels confident. The guys that haven't been working out, I can tell, right? They look rusty. I just I know that they haven't been doing stuff. Right. It's tough. Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've been watching that documentary on Netflix, Full Swing. Have you seen it? I love it. Have you seen it, Price? Nope. You need to watch it, man. Yeah, it's, it's, a cool, it's a cool angle on PGA Tour Golf. Yeah. And so all those guys were – that's what they did. You know, like when they were young, they oh, all that's played. All they did. They that's played, all they did. They Justin played, Thomas did not play any other sports before right. he went to St. X. I mean, that's all – well, at St. X. That's all he does. Yeah. That's all he did. Now he grew up on a golf course. His dad's a PGA professional. Said he did what he did all day long. That's the typical story for those guys that are out on tour, right? Um, and, that and we're was, talking that about was my the one percenter, right? yeah, like, exactly. And that so. was in it. It's a but baseball is a little bit in the same way. It's and we talked about how we're how we can kind of expand. Um, Ryan and I are, are doing a ten year old league this year. We're trying something a little bit different. Yeah, is when it comes to travel ball, we're trying something that's to where you don't necessarily have to play every weekend, to where you can play a couple times throughout the week, three times throughout the week. So. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it just because baseball is a, a game that has to be played every day, right? And and going back to you know the early or late '60s, early '70s with my dad, and where they played every day, and and that's how they got better, and that's how they you know that's how they went about it. And then once baseball season was over, you losing the All Star run, boom, football started, right? And then as soon as football was over, basketball started, like. It's, it's people, you have to get fully immersed yeah. in order to be good in something. Like I see it with my son all the time. Like if he's not fully immersed in the sport he's playing, he stinks. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, and I, then, I've seen it full board too. All right, Price, since we're talking early season travel ball, when it comes to throwing an arm care, we talked about this last night. Ryan was telling my guys, Hey, you should be throwing three to four times a week minimum right now. Now that's 13 years old. 
So as our season's starting from an arm care standpoint, how much should you be throwing? Um, that's probably about right. Like three, three to four, four times. times a week. If you're starting to play, especially at the beginning of the year, I would try to throw a lot, get used to what your arm feels like. But you got to find out sort of what works for you as like a, as a player. Some guys need to throw every day. Some guys don't. It's just how fine. do you figure that out? Soreness. Yeah, find find soreness. Um, increase you know intensity levels on certain days and find how your body reacts to that and see what happens after you play in a game. How how does that feel? How did that that week of preparation prepare you for that? That kind of stuff. Now you can overdo it too. I got a text from a dad oh, yeah. last night who kids play in middle school and he's practicing five days a week with his middle school. He practices three days a week with us. So one of them's on the weekend. The other one is after middle school. And he said, hey, man, his arm's killing him. Like, we can't pitch him this weekend. And I'm like, you know, it's first week out of the gate, and one of my top two pitchers can't pitch because uh, I think he's overdoing it in the preseason. Right, and it's he probably jumped right in after basketball or something like that and just started chucking. And there has to be – That's what they do, right? I mean, these kids are – Yeah, but there has to just be some sort of – education to it you just have to on-ramp them and on-ramping happens in like every facet of sports every sport every uh like strength training there's on-ramping so that just has to happen and leak into basic knowledge of like getting ready for sport in general now that's something you guys do at apd right i mean you're basically that's kind of part of the training is you're on-ramping as they're there yeah yeah i think the on-ramping part is what you know it's it's why kids get hurt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I it, don't get me wrong. Like, pitch count's important and frequency's important. And all that is super, super important. But the injury happens, like, right from the beginning a lot of times. doesn't mean they're, like, they, they throw a ball and they're like, oh, my elbow or my shoulder or something like that. It's the on-ramping is – I mean, it's it's like high school football, right? Like, yep. they, they go four days – Helmets only. Helmets only. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah. Or five days, whatever it is. I don't yep. know. The, but there is, there's acclimation. Right. And they're doing it to acclimate to weather. Right. We're doing it to go ask a kid to throw, you know, 80 to 100 pitches on a weekend. Like, yeah. Like, there has to be acclimation. You just can't get in there and do it. Sure. And if you do, man, like, it, it, the bad part is you do and people don't get hurt. Right. Right? Like, and it's like. Yeah, some people can, but some people can't. Right. And. It would be better to be safe, obviously, than sorry. Well, and that's kind of what we're dealing with. Now, I am overprotective of arms. I probably throw kids less than I probably could. There is a, there's a, he's a friend of mine. There's a guy that coaches in my age division. Um, he has a kid on his team that is a stud. Kid is going to be a name that you know. But he throws an insane amount of pitches. I'm talking insane. Mm-hmm. And his response to me was, we do arm care year-round. Like, I don't know if that matters if you're throwing 190 pitches in a weekend. And, like, what is arm care? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, what is your their definition of arm care? A and lot listen, of times stretching and whatnot. He'll listen to great. this, and it's a guy that I respect a lot, and, and I'm trying to figure out how he, how he pulls this off because mm-hmm. this kid is incredible. But, like, how what does arm care mean year-round? And when is too much? Yeah. I, yeah, and just because it works for that kid doesn't mean it would work for the next kid. Yeah, and that's you don't just how know. it goes. I mean, you know, I, I've known kids that have been taken care of like their entire lives, right? Like not overthrown arm care programs, and they blow out. Yeah, they Once blow they out get, young. That's a good point. Rick Arnold and I had that conversation at one point. At somebody, yeah. somebody at Trinity, yeah, that like the dad was crazy about protection, and then he gets there, and then he hadn't thrown enough. Yeah, yeah, it's a balance. I mean, it's a and it's still super unknown. It's yeah. tricky territory still. You, the injuries Theory. happen, It's and it's an overhead movement that's not meant for the human body. So injuries are going to happen. Um, a lot of times at the young age, it's either they're throwing at a higher level than their body can take or they're not ready to throw as much as they are. So your advice, Bryce, if I'm hearing you correctly, is you got to kind of take it player by player. Oh yeah, and it's all—it's only going to work for what what might work for one guy is not necessarily going to work for another guy. Chris Burke, who's a good buddy of mine, he thinks we don't throw enough. He seems to think that we need to throw kids more than we do, and that the numbers there's some scientific facts to the to, to that point too. So I don't know if we actually know 
right? Mm-hmm. I, I think we're trying to figure that out, but it's kind of you do what's right for that kid. Well, I think it's it's throwing over a course of time, right? Yeah. Like you've got to be able like there's seven days in a week. Us travel ball people, we cram it into mm. twenty four to thirty six hours. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And it's like, yep. no, that's not frequency. That's not that's throwing too much in a 24 to 36 hour period where you want to throw. I mean, look, I've got a 10 year old who's eating up the baseball. Like he's throwing, you probably have a better idea, but four or five, six days a week. Yeah. And you know, like, and it's not, it's not six days a week every week though. It's some days it's four days a week. Some uh, weeks it's six days a week. It just, it varies depending on you. I gotta right. ask this, Ryan. So I noticed that Ren bats left-handed. Does he throw left-handed? No. So he no. did you did you make him bat left? No, no. So <laughs> I was yeah, thinking that maybe like he definitely Coach Coach was like he's gonna be a left-handed batter no he's matter what. Drop down on my knees and thank God as soon as I saw him pick up the bat left-handed. No, hey, you want to hear my theory on this? Yeah. Okay. So I was coaching in college. His daycare was right across the street from the our field. Okay. And so. Um, my wife, Becca, would bring him to practice every day, right? As soon as she got off okay. work, she'd come bring him to practice. And we got a ton of pictures of me holding him, okay? And he always showed up to the right-handed groups because we had 30-some-odd hitters. So I broke him up left-handed and right-handed hitters. So, our, like, our first group was all lefties. He'd miss the first group every day. Okay. So I would hold him. I don't know if we're on camera or not, but I would hold him like this. You're on camera. Right? Hold him like this, looking at a right-handed hitter from the side. And it's just a mirror thing. That's an interesting theory. So now I don't let my second <laughs> one even watch Ren hit. Well, so. <laughs> I, tell you what, I tell you what's interesting. So one of my best friends was a left-handed pitcher. Um, and he got into golf kind of at the same time. But he hit very, very strong on his left-handed side. Well, he started hitting a golf ball right-handed, and because all his power is here, he became a long drive guy because he would just – he was so powerful on this side. Yeah. Um, he would hit the absolute hell out of the ball. And it was and he attributes it to being a left-handed pitcher. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, it's – you know, it's – I have no idea, but you, I think so much about this crap, so it's like – I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. I had <laughs> you I had a really a baby and he saw right-handed batters. Hey, you know. It, well, then like <laughs> the only way we could get him to stop crying in the car was to watch video, right? Like it, he liked the ping of the bat. Wow. And so again, iPad seeing a right-handed hitter. I Interesting. The only thing I can okay. come up with. I All don't right. know. I think you made him bat left-handed. No, no I <laughs> wish. I wish. All right, so uh, w- one more topic here before we get to our guest. Um, this is something that fascinates me, and being somebody that did not play baseball at the college level, I'm fascinated by the different ways this is done. And we've done several different things at my team, but I'd like to talk about signs. And being that it's early season travel ball-wise, um, how certain teams do certain signs. It's funny because the guy that owns the organization that we're in, he thinks signs are silly. Like he's got to take signs, take signs, just this. Like it's it, everybody in the world knows what's happening. Right. So he doesn't get into the whole sign thing. He kind of thinks that, you know, the players should kind of go on instinct. This is also a guy that mainly coaches 16, 17, 18 year olds. I get into signs and I have certain guys that need them because they aren't necessarily as baseball savvy as others and need to know when they need to take, need to know when they need to run, need to know when we need to bunt, and all those different types of things. So let's talk a little bit about signs. My way of doing it is with an indicator. So I have an indicator. It may be touching my nose or whatever. When I turn it on, the next sign is what the the particular player needs to do. Is that normal? Is there a better way of doing that? How would you guys suggest signs? I think that's totally normal. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's a and, very common one. Right. I think and I think sometimes signs get overdone a little bit, like but in terms of playing off instinct as a kid, I think that's also a tricky slope because I was I, I can speak for most kids. You think you can do a lot more things than you can. <laughs> well, yeah, I for sure. And Price, you strike me as the type that would kind of think that signs kind of get a little overplayed, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things I love about your instruction is the way you approach stuff with kids is it's not too intense 
And I think they, I mean, every single kid that's worked with you has come away being like, I love Dylan Price. And they come out of there because I don't feel like they've been badgered at. I don't feel like, they feel like they learned something, but they did it in a way, Price does it in kind of a low-key way, right? I'm intense. Like, you come out of something with me, you're going to kind of feel it. Um, Ryan, how about you on the sign side? Oh, yeah, I'm sign crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, I am too. So it, uh, I, well, I get that. We're, we're in the same boat It's, there. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is why this works with me and Price. Right. Pitcher and hitter. And so you get two totally different views, yep. right? And then it's coach and player. So it's, uh, you know, I, I don't think you overdo it. I do think you got to give guys some freedom. You know, like you, you have to give guys freedom in now for them to go out and just play 100% on instinct. What are you there for? Yeah. You know, like, right. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, coach, coach has a responsibility. Number one is outside of the, you know, nobody gets hurt or, you know, there for player safety, which obviously important, but like you're there to manage the game. Yeah. Right. Like you're there to, to be your input. You know, I mean, it has to be – it's a major part of the game. Like, it's well, it's something that you have to – you have to have that relationship with your players. Uh, and Ryan, I know you've coached at a lot of different colleges, and obviously you're doing it at one of the higher-level high schools now. Do you guys do different indicators, different innings? How simple do you keep it for your high school guys? Not to say too much. It's, it's pretty simple, though. It's pretty simple? Yeah, yeah. It, I, but it's a I'll system. give my personal opinion. I think – you can overcomplicate it by doing stuff like that. But if you get the feeling that your signs are being picked, then just change it. Then you just change it. But don't don't change it every inning because you're worried or else you'll convince yourself your signs are getting picked all the time when they're not. Yeah, then you become completely paranoid. <laughs> how do you do yours? Do you do an indicator? Do you do wristbands? Or how's your just, team doing? Yeah, it's, we do it with an indicator. See, that, to me that's the easiest. I hate the wristbands because they're always like, I, I, I can't. It takes forever for them to figure it out. At least my guys aren't smart enough to do the, the wristband side of things. Yeah. But uh, to me, I, I keep it pretty simple with kind of just an indicator. I'm excited to ask our guests kind of how that happens. For, for I, I heard him talk about it with one of the with Spalding Tech Coach at one point. I was kind of fascinated by that conversation. I'm curious how it happens in professional ball too. But I would say pro ball, they probably change it quite a bit. <laughs> I, I, know, I know some guys at the professional level where sets of players have signs. So, like, you have a group of, let's say you got 15 <clears throat> position players. You'll have five guys will have one set of signs. The next five guys will have another set of signs. And the next set will have another set of signs. See, that, see that sounds That's really insane. crazy, but it's not. Okay. It's only complicated for the coach. Yeah, well, That's not complicated for, for the player right. at all. <laughs> That's the player why just has to know his signs. Okay. It's not a big deal. Third base coaching – is the hardest job in all of professional sports oh, yeah. in my mind. But hey, like the pitchcom thing, like that, that's changed everything. Right? I think it's going to change it all, and I think it's going to, I think it's going to become prevalent on the offensive side. It's like, you know, our head coach at St. Joe was, we used a card to call pitches. Okay, right. I I have thoughts that. So how know, how would that work? It was so just, you send it into the catcher, or you send it straight to the pitcher? Into the catcher. Yeah, so the coach is calling it from the dugout. Yeah, to the catcher. He just give numbers five, four, three, or whatever. Two of the numbers are hot. You know, there's two numbers that mean something, and then, and then you go in and he looks at the card. It's fastball in. He signals fastball in, and you know you just kind of go from there. So, um, are you calling in and out at this age? At what age are you starting to call locations, Price? That's a good question for you too. I'm trying now. Um, we tried last year at 12 U's. I tried to call some inside stuff. And really the way we would do that is I try to have my catcher either move to the inside of the plate or the outside of the plate. Is that Are we getting to the age where you need to start doing some of that? Yeah. I, I think if you want somebody to throw the ball somewhere, have them set up there. Um, but there has to be like – the pitcher has to have an idea of what he's doing. It can't be, okay, I'm going to throw my slider away, and then I throw my slider away and it ends up – in and the lefty's hip, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there has to be like a release, are you throwing to your release point? Are you throwing to where you want the pitch to end up? That kind of stuff, you gotta, that's a whole nother, I'll talk how, about that how forever. How do you deal with that at your age level? We're starting to do it. I, yeah, yeah just, I think you should. Just because, so like, you know, like, especially like advantage counts for the pitcher, like, 
you want them to understand, hey, we got to get the ball away. We're trying to get them to take a swing. We're trying to. You How know. are you relaying that to your catcher? Um, hands, like right hand, left hand type stuff. Gotcha. Okay. So if that I do the sense. sign with the right hand, then go with that left hand. It's means something else. And, that's man. interesting. I, asking a lot of sign questions. I'm already starting to get a little paranoid. <laughs> See, Ryan's gonna start. Cha- he's gonna have We're a changing it every 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 <laughs> inning. Price different indicator. He's gonna touch the fits. And <laughs> I don't call pitches. I don't believe in it. But you don't call pitches. Well, what, our, our does your catcher? Coach, our pitching coach does. Like, oh. okay, I, I personally don't. But it's if it were up to me, I, I shouldn't say that. I mean. I, I think we need to call pitches at this age. I think you hit a certain age where you don't call them. That the catcher's calling them? The catcher calls them. And then the pitcher just waves him, nods but him on and off. That's a whole other thing, like, as long as they're – if they know each other. Because, like, if you go to the whole thing y'all were talking about and it's a new team, new player, yeah. I don't know my pitcher, and he's calling all these – that's, like, what you're talking about. If they've yeah. played together for three years, okay. absolutely let them, let them call it. Because they probably have an idea of what the kid's successful with. But all right, two, two more things again. here. We could do this all day. So I've got a catcher now um, who was taking some lessons from one of uh, one of the younger, really good catchers in town, and he started doing the one knee deal. It's new to me. I don't know how to react to it as a coach. Um, what I have told him at this point is I, I don't ever want it happening when somebody's on base, right? Right, because he's got to be able to pop and throw. Um, I'm okay with it if he's comfortable when somebody's not on base, but it, it, it looks different to me. Um, I don't know that he blocks as well on one knee. How are you guys feel about this? It looks like all the kids are starting to do it. I love him. Not go all first. Ryan, you're, you're an ex catcher here, so right. yeah. I, how do you feel about all that? I like it. You like the one knee. I like the one knee. Two reasons. Okay, number one, it frees them up to move and catch the ball. So, like with our guys, we had a rough first weekend this past preseason or during this preseason at Trinity. And then now I, we may have had like one pass ball in the last three, five inner squads, something like that. And so, but uh, I think it, it gives them lateral movement with a glove. And so, um, the second part is we receive. Let's say 120 pitches a game. Okay. Right? How many times they throw? You mean as far as the catcher throws down? Yeah. Five? Right. Maybe so, 10? Right. Maybe? No. 10's a lot. 10's a lot. So five, so five. maybe? Five's okay. a lot. I mean, like, I expect at 13, everybody's going to run. I get that part. So, like, but, you know, it comes down to pitch execution. Yeah. Right? What's more important? What's more important? Pitch execution is to me. It is proven – at the major league level, right? And I get it, you know, but but That's some true. of this stuff is relative. That's interesting. That stolen bases don't always equate to runs, mm-hmm. right? And I, I like from the offensive side of me is, oh yeah, let's steal, but you better be safe, right? Right? Like we're not giving away outs here. So for a young catcher's development, I think it's a pecking order, right? Like it's you got to learn how to catch the ball. You got to learn how to take care of your job behind the plate. You know, I, I think that another big part is the communication part, like the sign part, right? Like you have to be on the same page. You have to be able to do these things and you have to kind of what price was alluding to. Yeah. The yeah. catcher has to know the pitcher. Yeah. The whole, the whole thing with one knee catching, like the lateral movement thing, I think it's like pelvic control, like your pelvis, like you can move more mm-hmm. while not having to actually mm-hmm. move. You can okay. have a wider foundation, that kind of stuff. Like you've seen, I don't know if you know, but like catchers have done the whole stick their leg out like yeah. really far. <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. For yeah, years. Sure. I think Pudge used to do yeah, that. Don't, yeah. Tony Pena started. Yeah. And that's his leg locked out to yeah. the right. Sure. And he can, he can sway and move more and get behind the ball. And that's mm-hmm. sort of the same idea, but this is probably a little bit more athletic of a, of, okay. a, of a way to do it. When 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 you got guys on base, one knee or no? Depends if on the athlete. Yeah, yeah, like depends on the athlete, but it goes back to, right, like. Not um, everybody can do that. Not everybody can, right? And like, Interesting. I had a group of catchers this winter, man. We, we just kind of said, hey, we're going to, and they were young. And it was, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this because you receive so much better out of it. 
are you going to be able to throw? Like nothing really changed. You know, like their pop times were about the same. About the same. Okay. But it, it, I think it comes down to like, never thought we were going to start talking about pelvises on the podcast, <laughs> but there we go. Sorry. It's the brain of the body, man. Yeah. So it's like, but like, but yeah, price is right. It's pelvic control. Are you able to control it enough? Like I have a 10 year old catcher. He's a long kid, right? Lanky. Okay. And putting him on a knee just to have better lateral movement with a glove it's worked really well now throwing's kind of been a challenge but i i still i'm okay with it because he's probably not going to throw anybody out anyway yeah i get that. so so let's practice it and let's do it and I get now, that. now at 13 where it becomes you know what are you like 102 feet from home to second something right. like that so um Man. i i don't know if i would do it there but because they, they don't have the arm strength to play to that field right yet Right, like I'm not big on fresh a freshman catcher without arm strength doing it because he doesn't have the his skill set doesn't allow him. He's gonna have to get every ounce of energy to get the ball to second. So I really want I don't want to do it today, but I really want to get into this whole offensive strategy type thing too. I mean, what you're doing with pick plays when you start putting some of that kind of that more advanced type things in. What age um, when you got a guy on third base? one zero outs are you telling the guys to put it on the ground you know what, what type of offensive strategies are you employing so we'll get to that so okay. a little bit of teaser for uh, one of our future podcasts um but one more thing and then we're gonna get to our guest I, there's some got local guys doing awesome right now whether it be in college whether it be in pro um they're killing it yeah and and before we get ray on here i'd like to talk a little bit about kind of what set them up for success um, Matt Klein's one of them. He caught, uh, you know, as a freshman, he caught against TCU. Yeah. I mean, that's big time. Yeah. And then we got a guy playing for, you know, your hat there. Right. Um, doing big things. So what has set these guys up for the success that they've had? Commitment. I mean, they, they like, Klein was a great example. I mean, just an extremely diligent worker. You know, he's a free-thinking kid. He's not – he's very confident in what he thinks and mm-hmm. in his ability and um, – Backs and, it up. And backs it up. Yeah. And, and it's – you know, it's he's – a, he's a guy that um, – conviction is a big part of success, right? Like, Mental, right? Yeah, like mentally he's convicted on that. He, he's right a lot of times. And, you know, God played for in college has the best quote, and I use it almost every single day. It's like, if you're right, you're right. If you're wrong, you're right too. Right, like that's <laughs> you, that's a hundred percent correct in this game, and yeah. so it, w- coaching Matt, working with Matt over the years was man, it was great because he challenged the hell out of me, yeah, and you know, and always wanted to know why, and always wanted to you know, um, kind of see what he could do, and and kind of test his limits and. He's he's a really good player. Well, obviously he's, he's doing a really great. good. Let's player. talk a little about the, about Dalen too. He's killing it right awesome, now. Awesome man. He had three hits in a in a big league spring training well, game. He looks and, fast. Like yeah. he looks another level fast. It's crazy. I don't know yeah. that he looked that fast in high school to me. Yeah. He was fast. Right. But he didn't look like oh my god this dude is just unbelievable. He looked really fast in the game that I watched. He's the other still day. he's still developing as like Gosh. an athlete, like well, strength I mean, yeah. wise and stuff. It's, this is a guy that's. Skipped college and went straight to the pros. Yeah, yeah. he's ni- Is he nineteen? Yeah, I think he just turned twenty in November. Mm-hmm. Right? I is mean, that right? Turned eighteen. Yeah, yeah. He just turned twenty in November. So it's crazy. It is crazy. I started crying when I saw that game. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, now, did it, you work much with Dalen outside of Trinity? Yeah, yeah. We had the like, you know, they were they weren't in school, so we'd hit all the time, and you know, all this like the the winter stuff with the scouts. You know, his family asked me to throw, throw him BP and kind of take him through his routine for that stuff. And so it was. Um, That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, it was cool. He's going to do big things. He's going to be. It, it's, you know, it, when, when somebody gets hurt, especially now with all the, you know, contraction talk, you automatically get a little nervous. But, man, he looked he looked like a. He looked the part. He looked like a big leaguer on yeah. the field, man. Yeah. And that was unbelievably cool. So, so Brandon Fott has been lights out so far this spring i don't you know it's 
Um, he's yeah. a Bellerman grad, right? Yeah, Bellerman grad. He was he was fifth rounder in the 2020 draft when that was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his metrics have come out. Yeah. There's been more exposure to his metrics lately. He's been like, nasty, apparently. Yeah, top five spin and four-seam fastball, which is – I mean, the names that he's up there with are like – Dylan Cease, Corbin Burns, Whoa. freaky names. Yeah. Um, slider, same thing. Top yeah. top five, I think, again, in spin, which doesn't surprise now, me in the slightest. Is he doing big league stuff right now, or is it still? Yeah, he's had two big league starts. What has it been? Price have been four or five innings. Uh, five. Five innings. Um, no runs. If people listening to this saw the Cattell Marte play where he deked the runner, Brandon was pitching in that. Okay. Right. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been phenomenal. Like, yeah. just pumping strikes and filling up the zone. And Stuff's nasty. And nobody scores. Nobody that's, scores. That's just ridiculous. Trey Sweeney? Trey Sweeney's – I mean, he's in big league camp, too. He hit a homer the other day. A bomb, yeah. too. I thought to, he was a pitcher. To dead center. No, he's, he's – Shortstop. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's on that kind of DJ LeMahieu track. Talk, you know, uh, talk about, like, playing catch mm-hmm. right trey sweeney at 13 14 15 years old was just the epitome of the guy that can can play catch and play anywhere and okay it, i mean it was i mean it was fan phenomenal what he was been able any to other do. local guys killing it right now uh austin warner who played at oh, trinity yeah. played at bellarmine just signed yeah. with the white Sox. yeah on a minor league deal so yeah. that's pretty cool i know like higgins and met singer anderson miller Anderson Miller's been having a great camp with the Dodgers. Yeah, he, he went to Lexington the other day. Warner went the independent route, right? Yeah. yeah. So he played for the River City Rascals at yeah. one point. Mm-hmm. And then he was with the Cardinals, uh, most recently with the Mariners, yeah. and now he's with the White Sox. And he's been very successful. Uh, he's played all great. over the map, too. Played in Mexico. He might have played in Australia maybe yeah, for a man, minute. I don't know. He's, yeah. he's been all over the place. Couldn't really a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, he was Gets doing lives the other day, and it was – Price, where would you be if you were a left-handed pitcher? Where would I be? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably hurt. <laughs> uh, probably hurt <laughs> as well uh, because my body's not really built for it. But, uh, man, I if I was a lefty, I don't know if I would have uh, maybe gone to Western out of Wabash. I might have gone to a little bit better school but oh, nothing on, nothing crazy Sun nothing belt. crazy i thought i was i thought i was uh pretty good as a righty i don't i don't need to beat a weirdo lefty even though uh, <laughs> uh ray and i's uh strength coach i will say he always called me a lefty trapped inside a righty's body okay. which is a huge insult <laughs> it's okay yeah i'll take it i guess yeah uh, devin man's in oh yeah, yeah he's got he's got a lot of play time actually yeah. and he's been playing first base and with the Dodgers injuries, man. Who knows? Yeah, Higgins, Adele, I, Adele. Yeah, I forgot about Adele. Had, yeah, J- Joe's been uh, Joe's been apparently revamped the swing a little bit yeah. this off season. I've read a few articles about him. So. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I hope he uh, a lot of local guys it. killing it right now. A lot now. of local guys killing it, man. And it's um, yeah. And then Drew Ellis is another guy too. Yeah, I mean, he's you had sit here and think about it. Bunch he's, of at bats with the Mariners. Yeah, I mean it's it's going through. It's our area is, is really, really good. Littered right? with talent. Yeah. Dalen Miley, he's with the Astros. I yeah. think he's off to a pretty good start with their minor league camp. So it's crazy. It's awesome. awesome. Good it's stuff. awesome. Well, you talk about something you can talk about all day. Metzinger reports here in a couple of days. and I don't know, man. It's going to be a fun year to follow. Um, a lot of guys. A lot of local guys that are the making ball. Yeah. Big name, Adams killing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Will Smith, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Will, Will Smith on the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it really speaks to our area, though, as yeah. far as the talent mm-hmm. baseball wise, right? Yeah. And it's just getting so much better too. It's that's what's crazy to me. It's like I played with Brandon. I I saw the high spin. I used to catch the high spin, and it's like there's so many kids now who are getting into all this kind of stuff. It's pretty exciting to see, especially at the high school yeah. level. Talent wise, it's. Phew, you Crazy. could just tell, man, with Brandon, it was like, oh yeah, it was, it different. was there. Yeah, you, it was different. Know, no, like he, he had a great career at Bellarmine, and but he was he was elite in high school. Yeah. He we lost in their their senior year in the first round of the state tournament against McCracken. Brandon lost, uh, he lost the game one nothing, and we we faced Luke Seed. 
mm. who was, you know, he, he blew out that game, actually. Oh, he wow, blew out yeah. the six, right? Mm-hmm. Six or the seven? Six. Okay. And so, and he, um, and Luke came back from Tommy John, was great at Louisville. And, he was a Juco guy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he went yeah. To, John A., and then he went, then he went okay. to yeah. play at Louisville. Successful, too. Man. It just, I mean, it was like, you know, one of those things. Like, I was there when, uh, gosh, what was the kid's name? It was a kid from Lexington Catholic, a kid from uh, Lexington Christian. They both ended up pitching in the big leagues, and it was a one nothing game. And mm-hmm. It was there to, you know, I went there as a fan. I didn't go there as a college recruiter. Right. It, it was one of those kind of games, yeah. right, like where you hear about, you know, uh, I don't know, two two high school pitchers going at sure. each other that end up in the big leagues. So it was really cool. It was cool. It speaks to our area. Yeah, it really does, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh. All right, speaking of doing somebody doing big things, let's bring on our guest. All right, which one of you guys are going to stay on with Ray? You go ahead, Price. You want me to stay on? Yeah, yeah, you All stay right. on, then we'll switch it Well, up. I mean, you were the college roommate. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. yes. All right, Gosh. come on. We're going to bring on Mr. Ray Zuber. Did I say that right, Ray? <laughs> yes. The, with the two E-R-E-R. Ray is a professional player with the Florence Yalls, which is a team that we know well because we go down and play a tournament at the Yall Stadium, which is super cool. Um, Ray played at Western Kentucky University, and he's from Owensboro Catholic. I am told you are a, uh, a Hall of Famer at Owensboro. Is that right? That is right, yep. All right, a little bit closer <laughs> to that mic there, Ray. Okay. You got to get up and close and personal here. Sorry. So, Ray, I, I've got all kinds of awesome questions here, but – um, first and foremost, you know, thank you for what you do at APD. I know my kids love working with you. You're an integral part over there. If you haven't worked with Ray yet, um, these guys just seem to – no offense, Ryan, because I've always said I think you're the best in the business. But these younger guys, man, these guys are really attracted to, to kind of their style, their vibe. Um, it's really cool. So, um, Ray, thank you for what you're doing, not only for my kid and my team, but all the guys at APD. Um, how'd you guys, how'd you get hooked up with, with Ryan and, and Price? So, uh, I met Wheat last year, um, when we worked at the place we worked at before this. And, um, so I was off playing and then, um, he asked me if I want to come work for him at his new place at APD. And, uh, of course I said, yes, uh, love working with him. And then I've known Price for a while since college. Okay. So, yeah. We're going to get into some, some stories. I, I oh, want the God. best you got, you, I'm going to let you think your price, but I want the best dorm room story you got or oh. dorm room, whatever you guys <laughs> lived in, it was a house, whatever you got to, I need a story on this. Um, so Ray, how, how do you like the instruction part? You're obviously good at it. So do you like the teaching piece of this? I do. Yes. So I think it actually helps me personally as a, as a player as well. That's so, interesting. The more I watch these kids and the more I help them, I can see something I can see with my eyes and be like, okay, maybe the day that I struggled in the cage, maybe I was doing that as well. Yeah. So personally, I think teaching kids helps me as a player, and I just love helping them as well, just trying to make them better players as well. Talk to me about your journey. So high school to college to now professional ball. So in high school, um, obviously had a great career. Um, now, played. you were a multiple sport athlete, I right? I was. I was. I played football, basketball, and baseball. Yeah. That's hard to do, man. Yeah. Like, that doesn't exist much anymore. So, well, it, it doesn't here. Right. And But in Owensboro, it's kind of smaller. Um, when, when I moved here, the first thing I did when I was giving lessons here, I, was, I asked kids if they played other sports. Okay. And a lot of them said no. Like, they just play baseball. And I right. thought – and like that shocked me. Yeah, like, it really did because I, I don't yeah. come from that. So – in Owensboro and other parts of West Kentucky, like just I guess smaller mm-hmm. towns, mm-hmm. like you're able to do that. Okay. And less kids. Less less kids. Um, we have four high schools there. The school that I went to was a two A school, so it was small. Yep. Like it was only like 500 kids. So I was able to do that, and thank God I was because personally, I think playing all those sports helped me um, athletically in many things. Interesting. So, okay. like for example, basketball, footwork. Yeah. Um, Football just being tough strength. in general. Strength. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then baseball, of course, uh, hand-eye coordination, all that stuff. So in high school, it was it was a great time. Football, believe it or not, is still to this day my favorite sport. I love football. Okay. And especially in high school. like, What did you play? I was quarterback. Okay. Quarterback, uh, yeah. Of course. That so, makes sense. Up, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that makes yeah. sense. QB yeah. one. Yeah. All right. But um, – <laughs> So during summer ball, whenever I would play, um, I would actually miss some summer ball tournaments to go 
when we started football. Okay. So like whenever football started, I quit baseball and that for that summer and then I would go and, and play. And you football. wouldn't touch a baseball. I wouldn't touch a baseball. I wouldn't touch a baseball during football season. I wouldn't touch a baseball during basketball season. And then I would pick up baseball when high school season started. Do you feel like that put you behind once you got to college or no? Can I say Not, something? Yeah, go ahead. So like to be able to do this, you have to be like super, super talented, super athletic, super skillful, and like lucky that you didn't get hurt. That's it. Like, That's and he point. is, and he's super talented, super athletic, right. and like not a lot of people can do that. And it shouldn't, I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, if my kid plays basketball, baseball, and football just like Ray Zuber, then why why isn't he as good as him? Well, he's yeah. just not as good, and that's yeah. okay. Well, that, absolutely, that's and I think some people just don't ability, realize sure. that, right? Yeah, but the athletic ability allows you to be able to do things like that yeah. and recover quickly and yeah. be able to throw a baseball right after basketball season. When some kids aren't athletic, that's why their arm hurts. Right. And I okay. think that's part but, of it. But to All answer right. your question, yes, I did feel like I was behind, <clears> but. That was only for like maybe a week or two. And then you catch up. And then I would catch up. But the thing is, like, don't get me wrong, Louisville baseball is, especially high school wise here, is incredible. Okay. So like the competition I was playing, no offense against against those people, but it was it's not as good as it is here at right. all. And but the thing is, like, just because I was able, like Price said, just because I was able to pick up right after my sport doesn't mean it's for everybody and that's like you said that's perfectly fine like it's okay all right so how did you end up choosing baseball to play in college I just thought I had a better future with baseball all right and obviously if you saw me in high school and you saw me now you'd be like oh my god like I weighed 155 pounds soaking wet I was very skinny I had no chance of playing football in college okay um but personally like I thought I was better at football but listening to my family, they were like, listen, like you have a better f- future in baseball. And we personally think that you are better in baseball. Like, yeah, it was yeah. one of those things where it just kind of came naturally. Like sure. I played it my whole life. That was the first sport I ever played was baseball. Okay. And that that's really it. I just thought a better future. I had a lot of fun playing baseball and that's pretty much the whole reason why. All right. So there. you get to Western. Um, would they recruit you to play there? Uh, so I was an infielder first. Um, I was a shortstop. And so one of my best friends now, Kevin Lambert, probably one of the best shortstops I've ever seen. So when, my first day there, I was like, all right, I'm not going to play shortstop. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to play shortstop. Yeah. Yeah. And so they switched me over to second base. Um, I played fine there. Um, but the thing is, I was just too undersized. Like, I thought I was ready to play. And I had, for a freshman, I had a really good fall. Okay. Um, I was making the plays at second base. But – when that first game hit and I started opening day as a freshman playing second base, it hit me and I was just like, I'm not ready. Yeah. Like after the first game, I went like 0 for 4. I got blown up by like 88. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was just nervous the whole time. I've never felt like that in my life. Right. And from then on out, I was just kind of like, all right, I have to hit the weight room. I have to mentally prepare better. But the thing is, as a freshman, it's really, really hard. It's very hard to do that. Sure. And the thing is, is like, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry. But anyways, get getting back into it. So I played infield. Okay. Um, so we had injuries. And obviously I played outfield before, like in summer ball. Yep. And so they put me in outfield. Um, and that came more natural to me personally so I think I'm a better outfielder than I am in infield I asked this for a reason Ryan went on this kick last night with our guys talking about you need to be able to play everywhere uh and Price you probably remember who he was talking about there's somebody that went through a program of his recently that uh was an outfielder only was told in travel ball he'd never play infield then he ended up playing third base in high school because they needed somebody there and then they ended up catching in college it's pretty important that you can play everywhere and I think Ray kind of just Shine some light on that. Yeah. Um, I think it's super important. If you can't – like, if you're a catcher, right, The probably the most important position on the field. If you're a catcher and you need a day off, right, and your backup catcher is playing, if a kid in right field gets hurt and you can't go out to right field as a catcher – like your your value as a player yeah. to me, yeah, I'm with you. It just I'm with you. Plummeted because right. it's just it's it shouldn't be 
like it shouldn't be so hard to develop that like secondary skill. Well, let me ask you guys. So a couple <clears throat> young guys that have played at a high level as a coach, like in my position, I get kind of stuck in playing guys in certain spots because they're good at that spot, oh, right? Yeah. Like I play my son a lot at first because he's really good at it and mm-hmm. I need to have somebody over there that catches. Could he play elsewhere? Sure. But I don't really put him a whole lot of other. Should I as a coach be moving these kids around? Um, I think yes, uh, when it's necessary. But I mean, if you're if your kid, if your shortstop is a shortstop, leave him there. And then if he gets on the mound, then that's where your backup shortstop type stuff, like and your second baseman, pitch, should so. slide mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But like having a primary position is fine. Your best players are probably going to play where they play. That that kind of stuff happens. But yeah, moving them around when it's necessary is totally fine that's how you become a utility guy as a as a college player all right well now ray you've taken that one step further so now you've kind of become a utility guy in the professional ranks right so you've played some infield and some outfield for at least for the y'alls so i mean how important is it to have all those different skill sets well i think it's very important just because it gives you a chance to be in the lineup every single day Mm -hmm. so when i first got to florence i was going to be an infielder somehow and I was going to be the second baseman there okay and so we went through camp obviously I took some outfield reps during scrimmages right um I started in left field and then our third baseman went out and instead of bringing a guy in who's never played outfield before put him in the outfield or yeah put him in the outfield right um or never played third base before put him at third I was able to go play third base yep. for a while and then that guy would go out and play outfield. So having so I started in center field, right field, left field, third base, second base, all last year. Oh wow. So that gives me the chance, especially as a rookie. And if you're hitting good, you're gonna play, right? Yeah. But say guys go out or need a day off, that gives you a better opportunity of playing every single day. So So Bryce, I'll let you do it so Ray doesn't have to, but he had a pretty good rookie season, right? Yeah. So yeah. what 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 was it? Was he the rookie of the year, runner up rookie? Runner of the year? up rookie of the year, yeah. He couldn't come in first. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't figure it out. Could, couldn't figure out how to win that yeah. one, huh, right? Got to put a few more over the fence, I guess. <laughs> Got to. So Ray, what's the what's the goal? What's the plan? Now, obviously, independent ball is a little bit different animal. A lot of those guys go and play for a couple years, unless you're an institutional guy and you're playing for a long time. What's your goal? Well, obviously, my goal is to make it to the big leagues one day, Okay. Um, like everybody's goal. Obviously, I'm not where I want to be at right now, but it's a start, right? So, Do you see a path for I that do, through, I, through the y'alls? Personally, I do see a path. Like last year, I had a, a pretty good year, and then I'm in a great spot. I'm in a place where they want me, which is the good thing. Yep. So personally, like I said, I'm not in the spot where I want to be at. I'm nowhere close. But the thing is, you just have to keep working every single day. If you just put your head down, don't worry about if you're struggling, things aren't going your way, yep. all that stuff, right? So really, in pro ball especially, it's on you. Mm-hmm. So working out with all these guys these past couple of years, these pro ball guys, they've taught me a lot as to how to go about my business, how to what to do when you're struggling, and really just to, in a way, not care. So it's just one of those things where whenever you're on the field, whatever you do off the field – like in the cage, the work working up into the game, that's on you. Um, but, yeah, I, I see a path going in the right direction, playing with the y'alls and being here in Louisville as well with the off-season training and stuff. Yeah. So these past couple of years, this is probably the best shape I've ever been in, the strongest I've ever been. I've ever been. Um, the best my swings ever felt, my that's arms great. ever felt, all this stuff. So and so, guys, do you see there are there guys from your league that do get opportunities in the big leagues? Oh yeah, frequently? yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I know there's a lot I'm, of big league guys that are playing in that, either in the in kind of like the sunlight part of their career, or whatever it mm-hmm. may be. But yeah. the talent's pretty amazing there. I would assume so the talent was way better than I, than I thought it was going to be. Okay. So when I got there, I was actually really surprised. But um, teams always need arms, so obviously pitchers get picked up more sure. than position players. Sure. Um, as a position guy, it's it's really just kind of luck in a way. So obviously you have to perform. Yeah. Right? So say, for example, a guy goes down in whatever organization and it's in high A and that person is like, all right, go get the best left fielder from this league. 
And so, obviously, if you're performing well, yeah. and they like you and they've seen you, a guy goes down, you get picked up, and whatever happens from there, it happens. So, well, you got a lot of things going for you too. I mean, obviously, with the utility piece, being able to play wherever, left-handed side of the plate, as as Ryan will test, right? That's a, that's a yeah. big that's a big piece. Um, a power hitter, being able to run. I mean, there's a lot of things going for you there too. So, obviously, that's really cool. All right, let me let me ask you about the signs. Do you guys do signs in pro ball? Is that how much how much of that happens when when you're in that? level so believe it or not last year our manager would just so say a bunning situation came up right we we don't have signs so you don't have we we, in indie ball on my team we did not have signs last year he would be right by the on deck circle so at one point i was in the nine hole and say there's a bunning situation that came up he would just look at me he goes all right right get it down and that was it that was our signs (laughs) And, oh, well. we, and we have we have the green light to go. Like, if you're a runner, we have the green light to go. Obviously, be smart about it. Yeah. Like, don't run in a stupid situation. Right. But So they're trusting you kind of with your baseball knowledge and instincts. Right, exactly. And, and, and with any ball, it's all about performance in, in a way. So obviously, you want to win. Sure. Right? But as a professional baseball player, you, sh- you should have the IQ to do things for example, like on the base pass. Yeah. You can still, like me personally, I know when to steal. Right. And I know if I can't steal. So say a guy's like a 1-1, one, 1-0 one, one, oh to the plate, probably not going to steal. Right. So, but if he's like a 1-3, one, 1-5 one, to the plate, and he lifts that leg up, I'm going. All right. I talked about this with my assistant coaches the other day. I want both of y'all's opinion on this. We are horrible with left-handed pitchers. Like our guys dive back to the base no matter what a left-handed pitcher does. Like he may just lift his leg and they're just diving back to the bag because they think they're going to get picked off. How do you run on a left-handed pitcher? What is the what is a cue you guys are using from the pitching perspective and from the, the runner perspective? So from the runner perspective, it's really – so first of all, you have to have runners on base to do this. Like you have to get on base. You have to do it from – me personally, I do it from the dugout. So say I see a guy on first and I watch the lefty and – you see tendencies in what he does when he picks over, when he goes to the plate, whatever. So if he's a first move guy and he rarely picks over, I'm going. And if he picks over, so be it, right? But there's a lot of times where it's looks, right? So say he'll give you one look, he'll look down, look up, and then he'll go. But if he just like holds it, looks down, looks up, looks down, looks up, he might pick so over. So you're trying to pick this up in the dugout. Right. Oh, and and, yeah, and that's, that's the way you okay. have to do it. That's really. interesting. All yeah, right. You got to, like, tendency, finding pitcher tendencies and stuff, though, like, for us, it's second nature kind of stuff, and you just sort of see it. And it's, we learned it as we were playing and stuff. You learn it in the dugout almost um, as you just get older, stuff like that. But, like, finding the tendencies and then just taking advantage of it. But, like, like in a thing, where you're running off a lefty, sometimes you just get beat. Sometimes the lefty just has a good move. It's mm-hmm. it's a risk. Mm-hmm. Stealing is a risk. Yeah. And I think it needs to be viewed that way. It's not a surefire thing just because your guy doesn't get picked off. Like the catcher might throw him out too. So I think it's see it more as a risk and okay. take advantage of it. I, I like the picking up the tendencies thing. You know, that's yeah. something we work on with our pitchers is kind of that, that head nod and the look and different cadences and, and not doing the same thing every time that where you can't get read, but it's easier said than done, right? Most guys do yeah. have some sort of tendency you can pick up on. Oh, yeah. Right. So, Ray, obviously you're killing it right now with the alls. Talk to me a little bit about your Western career. Is that – did you love playing at Western, love playing in the Sun Belt? Um, do you wish maybe you would have gone somewhere else? Did you have other opportunities? Talk, talk to me about your college career. Um, so, obviously, freshman year was kind of a bit of a struggle. Um, but don't get me wrong. Like, it, it was fun sometimes, but obviously college is a different animal. Oh, right? yeah. So, um, after my freshman year, I had the opportunity to transfer to a JUCO. Um, personally, I, I was kind of scared to do it. I didn't know how it all worked. So, this was before everybody started, tra- like, the transfer portal was a thing. Yep. And so, like, if I went, I didn't know how, was, how that was going to go. Sure. So I was just kind of like, you know what? And my parents kind of raised, raised me this, this way as well. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick it out. I came here for a reason. Um, so I stuck it out. Obviously, it paid off, like, the next year. Had a good year. Um, and then by your senior season. And then by senior season, like, I had a chance to get drafted, get picked up, whatever it was. Okay. And then, unfortunately, the whole COVID thing happened. Um, I think we only played like 14 games. We were 14 games. Was that, that your year. senior year? That was my fourth year. 
Okay. Yeah. So the year after that, my fifth year, I had a really good year. And then, um, unfortunately didn't work out but you know everything happens when you're talking about being drafted wise being drafted wise did you go through any of that workouts combines any of that kind of stuff i i filled out a lot of questionnaires talked to some people um but i never like had a bunch of workouts or combines or anything like that so what do you you think kept you from being out because your numbers were there in college so what do you think kept the scouts from from giving you that opportunity um i think maybe that this is the only thing that I can think of. It was, it might've been a consistency thing and possibly like a size thing. So I was more of an outfielder in college. Um, I didn't have a lot of pop in college. I was more of a gap to gap guy. Obviously I hit some home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, I think it might've been like a size thing. And then there were weeks where I just wasn't very consistent. Right. So I don't know, like it's, it, it kills me that I wasn't, yeah. and I have to go. I have to go the hard way, but it's okay. Like I, I know that personally, I'm I, I'm able to go the hard way just because I can stick it out and just move on, right? But it's unfortunate that it happened. But like I said, everything happens for hey, a reason. Hey, and so. listen, man, you're still on the path, right? You know, and you're still working towards that ultimate goal, and hopefully one day you make that happen. Ryan mentioned earlier, it's all about confidence too. Does he Ray? So obviously. Bryce, tell me about Ray. Is his confidence over the over the char- off the charts? Um, I give him a bunch of static for it, but it's not as much as I. Uh, <laughs> he's not as cocky as I make it out to be. <laughs> right. But in terms of playing, like it, it's evident in it. But it's backed up. Like it's same same thing with a guy like Klein or Dalen Lyle. Like yeah. you're saying, like it's just like a gene almost that you have. It's you're able to play with confidence and and use it to your advantage and not a lot of like like there's the I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about but the little league world series video the kid who's shaking off the pitch and like smirking yeah and then a ball gets hit 600 feet over his head like that kid's trying to play with confidence but it's not it's not working and so there's there's differences to it yeah understood understood yeah I forgot to ask you right so what did you guys do sign wise at western uh we did the bands so, so you had the bands. We, we had the bands. And a lot of guys struggled with that just because, I mean, I, I don't know if it was they just couldn't get it into their brain or what. But I didn't have a problem with it because of playing football. We had bands okay. for signs, and I was yep. just easily able to do that. But the bands things, don't, don't get me wrong, like, it works. But I personally didn't like it. I like more of the actual signs, like okay. indicators, all yep. that stuff. But I, I think the bands, like, they say it works quicker, but – in a way, I don't think they did. Like, I just thought it was the same. Okay. But, I think it also takes your – this might be overthinking it, but I think it takes your brain away from the game almost too much to an extent because you have exactly. to think about these numbers and then what the what the indication of this little abbreviation means when half the time you're looking at your coach while also looking at your at the pitcher trying to get another sign. It's, I think it's – easier to stay locked into a game when you're doing that yep but when you get seven eight three and you're looking down at your wrist and then you're thinking about seven eight three and then you got an abbreviated thing it's like yeah sometimes it can sort of throw you mentally because it's such a mental game i think sometimes it can throw especially kids it can really throw you off that's what i've seen i don't know that it's it's tough for for the guys that i've coached to kind of mentally be in that state right um all right so best college story you too oh no oh man uh so i don't know if a lot of the stories we should say (laughs) um but i i do remember a lot of cooking me and ray actually cooked together a lot okay um on wednesdays we would make like pasta all right and a lot of times uh, we would partake in a wine Wednesday where we would find wine the cheap, find the cheapest wine, obviously box that, wine. Yeah, usually the the cheapest, <laughs> literally cheapest right. thing yeah. we could find. It and was that's, probably like six dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and we would make try and make some fancy Italian meal. That okay, was, that was, was fancy for us, but it's yeah, probably it, it's probably the most basic pasta. Yeah, ever <laughs> garbage. We thought it was great. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that's not the story I was expecting, Price, but I'll take it as a yeah. as a cool college story. No, nothing, uh, nothing else is super cool. More, more of why the hell would you all do that? Yeah. Okay. So. yeah. so, Ray, what's your schedule now as far as starting pro ball back up? Um, so the schedule right now is wake up in the mornings, um, eat breakfast, go lift. Um, usually right after that, um, we go hit over at Wheats mm-hmm. on a field, wherever it is. Um, 
And then after that, it's eat lunch, then work. Yep. Go home. Um, if I have to do laundry, whatever. Okay. Eat dinner. Yep. And then lights rent, out. Go rent, to bed. Do it all, do it all over again the next and repeat. day. Yeah. When do you report back? Uh, so I report back April seventeenth. Getting there a little bit early uh, for live at bats. So some pitchers I've contacted. Some pitchers they're going to be there. Some some of our catchers are going to be there. So they're going to throw some live at bats. Cool. Um, we're going to do that up until leading up into uh, camp until that starts. So the first game is May eleventh, and then we have some scrimmages before that as well. Oh, so. I can't excite. I can't wait, man. I'm huh. I'm excited to come watch you guys play. Um, Ray was telling me that they they're going to play the uh, the bananas, the Savannah, Savannah bananas. How does that work though? Because when I see them play other teams, like the other teams, it's like the globe trotters. Like they're not even trying. You guys are going to try to win. I mean, personally, I don't know how it's going to go. Um, it's going to be kind of cool though. Oh, you play like, in front of forty thousand people. No, it's don't get me wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah, like playing in front of all those people is going to be really cool. Don't get me wrong. We actually have a guy who played for us last year that plays for the party animals now. Okay. So it'll be good to see him as well. Um, I mean, are you trying to but, hit dingers and stuff? Like, is that is that what's happening when you're out there? I, I guess. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> he hasn't know. Got I don't the script yet. Yeah, I, I haven't got the script yet. But um, don't don't get me wrong. Like, it's going to be a really cool experience, and I, I look forward to it. Um, but it's just not. It's not. It's it, it's not. It's not real. But it's not why I'm there. I, you know I what understand. I mean? So you got you got much bigger goals in mind. Yeah. I understand that. But I still think it's cool. You guys get to play them. It, it'll be fun. They're it'll taking fun. they're taking yeah. over the world. All right, Price. So somebody wants to get involved with APD. How do they get a hold of you guys? Uh, you can go to apdbaseball.com. You now, can, and you guys yeah. are constantly changing like the the the, the lesson yeah. kind of prices, schedules, and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, so going into the summer, Wheat and I both, uh, coach travel teams. So who this, do you coach? The legends 15 year. Uh, ooh, okay. Yeah. Uh, all right, Ryan, I hear you. you poaching Ryan over here. Okay. All right. Um, Get a price. yeah. So the, the summer schedule is going to come out here pretty soon and it's going to be, we haven't totally finalized what we're going to like market it as or call it, but it's going to be, um, a, we're going to try and ha run like a pretty intense summer program intense being you're going to spend a lot of time uh, at the facility yep. just because in terms of development and then getting your swings in that you need for the weekend because right. of the crazy travel ball schedules right getting your bullpens in get your throwing in recovery stuff like that um so that'll run i think on a on a monday to thursday slash wednesday depending on the week gotcha type schedule all right Ray, thank you. Bryce, thank you. Ryan, yeah. thank you. I think this was um, informative. I hope people enjoy listening to this. To me, I could do this all day long. I'm a baseball nerd, so I just love talking about this stuff. And I think a lot of people that listen to our podcast are kind of in the same boat. So appreciate everything you guys do. Um, APD, in, in my opinion, is set kind of a new standard in the city as far as instruction. So if you have not given them a, a look or a try yet, please do so. All right, let's hit that outro music. We got, we got a new engineer today. There we go. <laughs> All right. Once again, thank you for listening to the APD Baseball Podcast. We will catch you next month. All right. See you. Thank you.